0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch. Fastball pulled and passed. Alvarez in toward the corner. Get out, Bob. Get out. Get out of here. Get out. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
1: becomes real.
0: Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. What an eventful
2: day in baseball. Welcome to the show on Thursday, May 16th. A lot happened yesterday. Chris Archer was really, really bad. We had another call-up. Willie Calhoun is up, and he homered. Austin Riley homered in his Major League debut. You, Darvish I it had a good start. Not a quality start, but it was a good start. So much happened. That we need a third person. Scott and I could not possibly do this show by ourselves. You all remember Heath Cummings. Welcome back. Oh, I can't believe I didn't queue up the music. I am sorry. I can't believe it. Uh, just give me a second, Heath. Welcome back.
0: I, too, am really shocked that you had an excellent opportunity for a music drop and mm. forgot to do it. No, oh, Well, it's good. we missed
2: you, man. It's good to have you back.
0: It's great to be back and uh, ready to talk some baseball.
2: Okay, great. Scott, welcome back to you as well. Welcome uh, back. Yeah, it was a pretty busy day, huh? A lot of stuff. You could talk, Scott. <laughs> oh, no,
1: there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know you were turning to me for that. Okay, yes, yeah, there were things yeah. that happened on a 16 game Wednesday. Was it 16? And I'm happy to talk about them. Let's do it. I think it yeah, was 15... 16 games, double header. Yeah,
2: Indians. Double dipper. Indians did not play yesterday. I think there were two teams oh, that were off. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 15. Just 15. Sorry. Uh, okay so let's start with some more prospects so Scott has Scott writes about the prospects every week you haven't had a chance to weigh in on a no Austin Riley oh I don't think you talked about Keston Hira on the show um, Riley's now 60% owned. he homered yesterday Willie Calhoun is only 12% owned. he went two for five with a home run what do you make of all this uh, madness with all these call-ups lately
1: I think it's obviously a good thing, an exciting thing, Um, and most of them are the kind... Well, not most of them, but I think definitely uh, Hira and uh, Austin Riley are the kind that every fantasy owner should be interested in. Um, They were the ones I know I went to the computer and put in claims for really fast and didn't win all of them because others were interested too, but... Austin Riley is, got a 70 grade power rating from Baseball America, which was the same that they gave Peter Pete Alonso entering this year. Uh, he's always been a good power prospect, and he's cut down on his strikeout significantly at AAA this year. So I think there's a good chance he sticks around as the Braves left fielder with Ender and Ciarte uh, not really not really securing his job. And then Hira. I mean, same thing with Travis Shaw. It's just been a disaster out there. So if Hira hits like he's supposed to, expect him to stick around too. Uh, second base, obviously, a big position of need. But in Riley's case, he's going to have the dual eligibility soon. Third base and outfield, so they're they're both very exciting. Calhoun uh, uh, the, had a nice has had a nice rebound season at AAA this year after things. Inexplicably went wrong for him last year, stopped hitting home runs. Um, he's generally been a good, good in terms of not striking out. And and that seems like a good combination for fantasy success, but he's so limited defensively that how often are they going to be able to play him? That's hard to say. And just, plus the fact that he's failed in the majors in the past has already used up his rookie eligibility. Technically, not a prospect anymore because of that, uh, but it makes him. It makes him less exciting just by virtue of, okay, we've seen this before. What is he honestly going to do for me, though? And I I think it's a fair question, because to get him in the lineup, it seems like they have to get one of Hunter Pence, who seems like the most likely candidate. Hunter Pence, Shinsu Chu, Joey Gallo, Nomar Mazar, one of them has to be out to let Willie Calhoun in. So I think the best-case scenario is a Calhoun and Pence platoon. But we'll see.
2: Heath, I don't really know what I'm allowed to ask you today. Like, what are you prepared to talk about after being out for a week?
0: Uh, you can ask me whatever you like. You can ask me to rank these prospects with Nicky Lopez. Because that's, a, I, I don't know if we talked about Nicky Lopez yet.
2: We did. We talked about him yesterday, of course. I think I would forget Nicky Lopez. Of course. Um, you I, I was shocked that you owned Nicky Lopez like a week ago. I talked about that on the show. It blew my mind. Um sure, yeah, rank rank the prospects, Heath. Let's get it
0: from you. Uh, I would go Riley, Hira, Lopez, Calhoun. Okay,
2: great. So, look, uh, these guys are, are interesting. We just heard uh, the breakdown on Calhoun, who DH'd yesterday. Hunter Pence did sit. He's 12% owned. He's clearly the most available. Uh, and, you know, later in the show, we'll talk about some guys that you might want to drop for these players. Like, is it time to drop Robinson Cano? Or Colton Wong. That's an easier one to probably drop. Uh, let's talk about Wednesday standouts. And I got to start it with Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres, in one day, a doubleheader with three home runs, went from being the number 18 second baseman in fantasy to ninth in points and eighth in roto. He now has a 290 batting average with eight home runs. He's still dealing with an elbow injury. He says it hurts after he makes throws. So that's not good. He talked about how refreshed he felt after two days off. But here's the, the biggest. <laughs> The most amazing thing from Gleber Torres, he is batting five forty-three with six home runs and three doubles in eight games against the Orioles versus everyone else. He has two home runs and seven doubles in 32 games. The Orioles have one of the worst pitching staffs we've ever seen. They are going to give up more home runs than any team in baseball history. So how much does that impact your evaluation of Gleber Torres?
0: I don't know that my evaluation of Labor Torres has really changed much, and he had a very good day yesterday, and he's a Yankee, so I'm glad that we're uh, talking about him. But he was a borderline top 12 second baseman coming into the year. I kind of view him as a borderline top 12 second baseman now. There have been some ups and downs, but in the end, he looks a lot like what we expected.
2: Are you telling me that I should not have talked about Labor Torres? I'm only doing it because he's a Yankee?
0: I didn't say that at all. I don't know what gave you that impression.
2: <laughs> okay, Scott, let's talk about Cameron Mabin and DJ LeMayhew now. No, uh, give me your thoughts on um, <laughs> on uh, Glaber Torres.
1: Yeah, this, uh, this feels like kind of uh, um, setting him back on track after maybe underachieving a little bit at this point. Because now his home run to fly ball rate is about what it was last year. Uh, the BABIP isn't anything that would suggest he's overachieving greatly in terms of batting average, uh, but he isn't a good, he isn't such a good plate discipline guy, and that holds him back at a position, well, shortstop anyway, position that has a lot of high-end players. The fact that he is eligible at second base, I think, uh, I think, keeps him m- must own. Um when in shallower leagues that may be a question otherwise. Okay, but we, we can what, all
0: agree though that Paul De Young's better than Glaber Torres now, right? I'd rather have mm. De Young. But what but what about the Baltimore thing? Baltimore
2: is like Coors field of pitching staffs. He's he's done all yeah, of his damage pitching. against it. against Baltimore. But but you know, he's gonna face bad pitchers on other teams too. I'm, uh, uh. I'm sure that does help when he faces a bad pitcher. All right. Uh you Darvish. Five and a third, five hits, two runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. Apparently, he took a very, very long time in between pitches. He also featured his cutter more yesterday. Uh, he still ha- only has one start of six innings this season. Two starts next week for U Darvish, who was only started in 48% of leagues. So, this good start was wasted for a lot of fantasy owners. Philadelphia and Cincinnati next week. How much faith do we have in U Darvish, Heath?
0: I don't think you can actually have faith that he's going to be good. This is encouraging if you've held on to him and it made you feel a little bit better. But And maybe in a two-start week, you don't necessarily have any better options, especially in a points league. But they're just one start where he strikes out 11 and walks no, zero is not going to be enough when he's walked 11 in his last eight innings before that start. This was a small step in the right direction. I'm going to need to see more
1: you mentioned adam that he threw his cutter and slider more in this one right mm-hmm. uh, and that was something they've noticed is that he he seems to command those pitches better than the fastball and you know so he changes that approach and zero walk um there weren't many there were only 11 swingy strikes for having 11 strike strikeouts so it's you know that that thing he was doing well when he wasn't doing well. He didn't do as well this time, but I mean it. It is a step in the right direction. It's it's another indication that he is worth keeping on your roster because, the the ceiling is still obviously high for him. Um, but yeah, two start week after only one encouraging start. Only way I'd risk it is in a points league where. I don't know about you, but I personally, if if I roster a guy in a points league and he's making two starts, I have a hard time sitting him ever because I just, I, I I tend to, um, I tend to only see the upside in that scenario and uh, not want to miss out on a potential fifty point week.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's, yeah, pretty much pretty much how I feel. I'll probably be starting Darvish, and in points league, uh, I just I just want to say something. I'm gonna forget Zach Gallon. I've seen added in a couple of my leagues. Marlins pitcher dominating the PCL. Scott, do we need to be picking up Zach Allen before the promotion?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and one of my regrets about this week is that in last week's prospects report, those who read it know I I have a I have a five on the verge and a five on the periphery. That's how I break it up. Just five who are the five who are most worth stashing, and the five who you know just any five guys I want to write about. Those are the five on the periphery. So i had hira and riley in the five on the periphery last week because they were doing you know they both had seen their production go up a lot in recent games but i didn't put them on my five on the verge and then so now everybody had to spend a lot of fab buying them i felt bad about that zach gallon is and has been for a couple weeks now in my five on the verge in the five to stash and um is it, it, it's an interesting situation because he's not regarded as being this, like, uber prospect with great stuff. But after uh, kind of solidifying his arm angle this season, his command has just been exceptional. And obviously the numbers have two. It seems like every start he goes seven innings allows two hits. And uh, in an environment where everybody playing fantasy baseball could use another starting pitcher, that seems like something to gamble on, even even if he doesn't have that great pedigree, because it, it's going to happen sooner than later. All right. So guy you, in his mid 20s, a lot of a lot of openings in that rotation. It'll happen soon. All
2: right. Zach Gowan for the Marlins, if you could just rattle off some names because we uh, you know, we got a busy show. We got buy low, sell high, buy high. We have 15 games to talk about, not 16 games. It's weird that teams have Wednesdays off now. Uh, the new schedule is definitely different, but if you could just rattle off some names of the next wave of people, players that we need to be stashing right now, Jordan Alvarez would certainly be one of them. Zach Gallen. Who yep. else uh, do we need to stash yep. in Prospect Land?
1: Uh, Brendan Rodgers is actually priority two for me behind Alvarez now. Who you know he's basically been Alvarez since the third week of the season, and uh, you know the fact that Trevor Story suffered a bruised knee yesterday only helps his path. Obviously, there's. The Rockies could use some help at second base as well, and that's what Rogers has been playing most. Um, I think Jesus Luzardo is still worth stashing. He threw his first bullpen session yesterday. Seems like he's on the right track with his re- rehab assignment. And uh, I think Kyle Tucker is worth stashing again, particularly in five outfielder leagues. He got off to a miserable start. But I don't think it's a hundred percent sure that Alvarez beats him to the majors, considering Tucker doesn't have the defensive concerns Alvarez does, and he's already on the forty man roster Tucker is. So it would be a disappointment if he arrived before Alvarez, but you know, if you're prepared for that scenario, it would be less of a disappointment.
2: All right. Alvarez and Tucker, Brendan Rogers, Zach Allen, and of course Reed Scott's story about prospects on the website. Heath, here's what you missed over the last week. Tommy Listella got his groove back, and he homered again. And Scott kind of buys in, you know, like, I know he sits against lefties, but Chris and I are like, no. Yeah. Tommy Listella stinks. Buy-in
1: buy in is in terms of, like, what, at second base with as much help as everybody
2: needs. Why Why not, you know? Yeah, well, he's a top four. He's fourth in Roto, sixth in points at second base. He's... 12th in points, 7th in roto at third base. It gives you an idea of the depth of the position. Heath, how did Tommy Lastella get his groove back, and how funny am I,
0: per se? I (laughs) am... It's, a, it's good because there's a movie called that, but it's really bad because he's 30 years old and he had 10 career home runs coming into the year. When did Tommy LaStella ever have his groove before this?
2: Do I need to look up his college stats? Because they were probably pretty he may, good.
0: He may have had a good year in college once. That's probably how he got drafted.
2: I don't know if he even went um, to
0: college. But no, yeah. I like I think if you look at what Tommy LaStella has done early in the year... The strikeout rate is just ridiculously good. The hard contact rate is at least acceptable now. It's, it's improved. His average exit velocity is actually above average for the first time in several years. But as I just said, he's a 30-year-old, and it's 100 batted balls this season, and he's still probably not going to play against lefties moving forward. I have a really, really, really hard time believing Tommy LaStella is going to be anywhere close to this good. If you picked him up and have rode the hot streak, great job because you saw the hot streak coming. But I don't expect it's going to last. Two things.
1: In what looks like the most homer-friendly environment in Major League history, it stands to reason that certain players who weren't power hitters before will become power hitters, especially when it's one who seems to have made a conscious effort to hit more fly balls. Two. Even after going nine for fifteen in his past three games, Lestella only has a two forty five BABIP. So when the power pace does slow, and it stands to reason it will, uh, there are other things he's going to excel at. He's mentioned the insanely low strikeout rate, and he's always been a really good contact hitter. Lastella has so uh, it, it you know it, he's going to for for him to be like roster everywhere he's going to have to play more than he has. He's going to have to start starting against more left-handers. Uh, but you know, if he stays hot, that that seems inevitable.
0: I, I will just like twelve percent of his career plate appearances have come this year already. He didn't have that much of a body of work. He has a three ten ISO this year. He has a one twenty six ISO for his career.
2: It, it's amazing what's going on. Would you rather have DJ Lemayhu or Tommy Listella?
0: Lemayhu.
1: Yeah, I mean Lemayhu, but I think Listella. I think there's a lot of similarities between what I envision Lestella being and
2: LeMayu. Would you rather have Derek Dietrich or Tommy Lestella? Lestella. Lestella, I guess. Okay. Let's do some news and notes here. And we'll come back after we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about buy low, sell high and buy high. But here are your news and notes. Miguel Andujar out for the season, torn labrum in his shoulder. Mitch Garber, as know, is back. You know, people want to hear about dynasty, though. So um, let me just go back to Andujar. Do, do you think he's going to be? <laughs> is he going to be the kind of guy we talk about? Hey, remember when my, that guy Miguel Andujar had that good rookie season? Or is yes. he? You think so? You don't think he's going to? Confident be... response. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly plausible. Right. The arrow's pointing down, but,
1: but I, I would. I would bet against it. It's just he already has that huge defensive hurdle to overcome. So if he's not, you know, he's, he's not going to be afforded as much patience as somebody who else who we would have considered at his, stat, at his level and in fantasy would, might
2: be. Okay. Now Mitch Garver is on the IL and Miguel Sano is back and Jason Castro replaced Garver uh, and he homered yesterday. But Sano... Ceno- how owned should he be, Heath, on the on-o-meter, Miguel Sano?
0: 40%. Okay. I don't wow, imagine I rostering him in a points league, but in most leagues where I need a corner infielder, I'm probably trying to, just in case. I mean, there's still enormous potential there. It's just whether he can stay healthy and stay on task.
2: Zach Greinke left with abdominal tightness. He doesn't think it's a big deal, but, you know, it might be. David Peralta left with back tightness. Edwin Jackson has set a major league record he played... For his 14th team yesterday, he pitched pretty well for Toronto. We're not interested in him. Atlanta recalled Tukey Toussaint. Toussaint is going to mostly pitch out of the bullpen. Trevor Story, Scott mentioned it. He left after a collision in the field. He hopes to play tomorrow, though. He thinks he dodged a bullet there. Same with Yandy Diaz. Uh, Diaz left with ankle discomfort, and he's apparently just day-to-day. Taiwan Walker had a setback in his rehab. Uh, he has shoulder discomfort. And let's see, David Peralta. Did I mention this one yet? Yes, I did. Sorry. Uh yep. he's out. He he left the game. Jesus Lazardo, Scott talked about him. He made a he threw a bullpen session. Anthony Rizzo sat again. The Angels oh I didn't talk about this one. The Angels called up Jared Walsh, who plays first base and relief pitcher. So that's interesting. I think they sent Justin Bohr down. Jared Walsh, Scott, any interest in him for the Angels? he looks like a good
1: power bat homer 29 times last year and obviously less time than a player would be in a major league season. It's a good home run total for the minors and had 10 already this year and uh, looks like he's going to be given a chance strikes out a lot. So, you know, at, at first base, I would bet against him being standard mixed league relevant,
2: but there's there's a path to that. And how about San Francisco starter Sean Anderson, who made his Major League debut yesterday? And remember when I said Anthony Discafani was from Coral Springs, Florida, and I was completely wrong. I was like 1,000 miles off. Sean Anderson he- is from my hometown. Should I add him in oh all of boy. my leagues? Must-add no. guy for me? No? Okay. No. Okay, good.
1: No. I don't, I don't see a lot to get excited about there.
2: Justin Upton has begun baseball activities. Brandon Belt hopes to return tomorrow. Chase Anderson's coming off the I.L. this weekend for Milwaukee. And Freddie Peralta is going to the bullpen. Gabe Kapler said Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. He is a smart man and a great person and manager. The Marlins are batting two hundred with runners in scoring position this season. And Nelson Cruz was available off the bench. And those are your news and notes. We're coming right back with Buy Low, Sell High, and Buy High on Fantasy Baseball Today. We will also talk about... Have you heard that one, Heath? Were you here for the Mike Soroka thing? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I. I. I, I wasn't gone that long. I don't know. I remember when we did that. Uh, we'll talk about the crappy Chris Archer and Robinson Cano, uh, the very good Patrick Corbin, the slumping David Dahl and Ozzy Albies, All that right after this break on Fantasy Baseball today. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Need to make some trades right now. Help me out, guys. Buy low. Sell high. Buy high. Scott White, who are we buying low on?
1: I think Chris Archer's a decent buy low, mm. um, just from the standpoint that he's getting a lot of negative publicity right now. Beyond just the performance, it's you know that trade where the Pirates gave up last now and um, Meadows, Austin Meadows. It's it's becoming it, it's looking like a joke, and that's making Archer a joke. And I think his owner would be happy to be rid of him uh because of it so I, I think it's a genuine like you wouldn't have to give up much to get chris archer right now and i, I mean yeah it was just a few starts ago we are looking well what what a good start chris archer's off to he still misses a lot of bats obviously has a favorable track record Does um, he? Does he and the fact that <laughs> it is hard to find a worthwhile starting pitcher anywhere I, I think it may. I think it's a good opportunity. Yes, of course. No, he, he has doesn't. a favorable track record. <laughs> not, Adam, not, stop not, it. Stop no, but it. he does there's it more. To there's more to fantasy success than ERA.
2: You're right. There's a lot more to it. He's never won more than 12 games. He has a whip over 1.24 every year and an ERA over four. What a great track record. He, he His great track record was in 2014. He's had good record. At 15. I mean, look at his point totals
1: year by year. There there are a lot. Things of... Things really- have changed. Things Other than last year, he had been a consistent high ranker in fantasy. So that, like, what, two of the last three years,
2: two of the last three years, he has been outside the top thirty while throwing. 200. Oh no, not the top thirty. That's Yo, a big deal. I can't roster him, Scott. I play a
1: league where only oh, pitchers
2: are rostered. Look, oh. Mister Scott White, Mister <laughs> Sarcasm. This guy is giving you a bad ERA and a subpar WHIP over two hundred innings. That means he's hurting you more than a guy who's giving you a bad ERA in one hundred innings. And and you know what, like okay, that's exactly how it works. I mean, that the, if you get a four ERA from a guy for two hundred innings, that's bad. That's worse than getting a four ERA for hundred innings. Obviously, is, this,
0: is uh, this just as simple as one of you arguing points and one of you arguing categories? Maybe no, because I how how high did he rank in categories league? When let me
2: go, and let me by tell the you, way, let me tell you, I'll tell he you, he had
1: bad win-loss luck doesn't mean we should assume he will forever. And, if, by the you, way, you know, when you have, have a bad ERA luck when you look at his pips. So. When, when you have a 4 ERA, yeah, when you have a 4 ERA. By the you, way, if not, if for all these points you're bringing up, he wouldn't be as good of a buy low. So it, you can buy even lower now because of people like Adam Azer. When, exactly.
2: you, when you have a 4 ERA, you don't have bad win-loss luck. You are not a good pitcher. You're giving up too many runs. Pitch.
1: Like, I, I don't pitch, know. Yeah. Throwing the innings he does in the offensive environment we're seeing now uh yeah he should have more wins than he did
2: he he also Absolutely. he also has been hurt now two straight years uh 2016 he was 37th in points 34th in roto 2017 he was 17th in points 25th in roto and last year he was just bad last year he only threw 148 oh, in a third innings because if, if you're prepared to drop Chris
1: Archer, then I guess you don't need to make a trade. You can just wait out the dropping of Chris Archer and pick him up.
2: No, I wouldn't drop Chris Archer. In fact, I would buy low on Chris Archer. I just don't think he's that good. <laughs> What'd you say? Okay, so I present him as a
1: buy low. Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> you Archer now. And you're like, no, you shouldn't buy
2: low on I Chris I, I, didn't didn't dro- I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said he doesn't have... A good track. I, I, I think you overrate his track record. That's all. like we ignore the facts because he pitches a lot of innings. like his innings aren't that good, but I still think he could be a better pitcher. I mean, I think if you look at Chris Archer this year, I think you have to look at the thumb injury as a reason why he struggled before he went on the IL and you look at one start coming off the IL, we always give pitchers a little bit of leeway in their first start back. And he was pitching pretty well at the beginning of the year. I still all the arguments I made for Chris Mar- we made for Archer at the beginning of the season hold true. Getting out of the ALE should really help him. I just I think he's a buy low. Also, I just think that you've sort of overlooked the last three I years know of his how career. You
1: point to a guy. Oh look, he's always around the top thirty pitcher. With reasons to think there's more upside and say that's a bad track record. I just, I don't get
2: that. Because when you are around the top 30 at a position and you have, because Scott, you are always the guy who's on a per-game basis, on a per-game basis, on a per-game basis, and you forget about that with Chris Archer. He throws more innings than most people, and he can't finish in the top 20 because he's not that good, or he hasn't been. I think he can be better with the Pirates than he was with the Rays, but... My argument is about the past with Archer, not about the future. But, like, that's what, like, you you can't, you are inconsistent when you talk about Archer because it's always per game, per game, per game, per game, except with this guy. For whatever reason, you just overlook it. Like, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Okay.
0: Heath, who should we buy low on? I don't think anybody will argue with this one, so we can move through it quickly. But I, Max Scherzer, yes, everyone still knows that he's good, but he's got a 3.64 ERA, he's 2 and 4. There might be someone out there who doesn't think he's the best pitcher in baseball anymore. I still think he's the best pitcher in baseball. I would trade any other starting pitcher for him. He has just been a little bit unlucky at the start of the year. You look at his peripherals. His FIP 2.24 is better than any other year in his career. His xFIP 2.74 better than any other year in his career. It's been a bad strand rate 69% and a high BABIP 361 against. But other than that he has been fantastic. His control's actually been better this year than it's been the last 3. The strikeout's still almost 12 Ks per 9. Trade anyone for Max Scherzer.
2: Yeah, I almost traded Mike Trout for my, for Max Scherzer with other pieces. I decided not to, but my argument I talked about it yesterday at the end of the show is that if you know when you go into a season, you value Trout over Scherzer because Trout is in his mid 20s. And Scherzer's older, but if you knew you were going to get a regular 215 inning season from Scherzer, I think there's a there's an argument that he's the most valuable player in fantasy. I don't think giving up Trout is ridiculous for him if you need pitching and not hitting. I mean, I didn't do the trade, but but I think we've seen from Scherzer, he's still Max Scherzer. Is my point.
0: And and there's a there's still a decent chance Max Scherzer scores more fantasy points than anyone this year, and we know Mike Trout's not going to.
2: It's a roto leak, but yes. Uh, sell high, Heath. Why don't you give us a
1: sell high? Was that a joke? We know Mike Trout's not going to.
0: Yes, it was the joke about how he never actually finishes number one. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, just... I hate to do this. Scott's I kind of don't today. hate to do it, but it's because it's really on brand. But I'm just going to say it: Javier Baez is not going to be this good. He's striking out even more than he did last year. He's got a 4.07 BABIP and like a 30% home run to fly ball ratio. He's eligible at second base, third base, and shortstop, so it should be easy to find someone who has a place to plug him in. Shouldn't be that difficult to find someone who says, you guys were dumb, you thought Javier Baez was going to be a bust, <laughs> and now wants to acquire him. Javier Baez <laughs> is a sell-high candidate.
2: Uh, okay. But so, he's not a
0: bust.
1: So we were dumb. He, right? Yeah. Right. Right. We weren't actually dumb for saying, oh, this this highly drafted player has some red flags that may, might want to make you target some I other. I think highly He drafted has all player. of the same yeah. red flags still. Yeah, but I the bigger the biggest red flags were look at how high the BABIP is. Look at how high the home run to fly ball ratio is. And now that he's doing that again, I I, I, I you know, they are higher than even last year. And so that's going to come down some. But. Um, I, I think there's enough evidence in his track record that he could just be the guy who has a high BABIP and a, a high home oh, run-to-fly ball rate.
0: Yes, but he could lose 60 points off his BABIP, be it his career mark, and be 40 points higher than league average still.
2: Oh, okay, so to put it in perspective, if you were trading Javier Baez, what would you be looking for? And I guess the best way to frame it maybe is if you were drafting again today, we weren't taking Baez until like the third round. We thought people were crazy for taking him maybe at the end of the first or early in the second round in a 12-team league. If you were drafting again today, when would you draft Javier Baez?
0: Third round.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with that. Yeah,
2: I think in a roto league where, the, don't... where the plate discipline doesn't have any negative impact, I, I feel like he's a second-round pick. You don't think so? I don't, and part of it's because...
1: And, and I'm still not sure exactly how to adjust for this when the actual draft comes. But it's been a couple years in a row where I I do the trade chart on CBS Sports. And I you know alternate head-to-head points versus Roto every week. So I'm kind of re-ranking the top 200, top 250 every single week. So it's kind of like doing a draft in the middle of the season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... The last two years, the starting pitch, the high-end starting pitchers move up and up and up as the season goes on. Yeah. just because they're so hard to replace. Uh, and I wonder why aren't we drafting that way, if that's the case. Uh, but then when draft day comes, I don't want to draft that way either. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. But it, it my point being, it pushes Baez
2: out of that range, if nothing else. I think the starting pitchers are sort of like running backs. Where you go into the year with some concerns, you know that these guys get hurt a lot, and then when you see it at the beginning of the year, you get a little bit more confidence in it, and then you push them up. Uh, you know, and if you were redrafting, they'd go earlier than they did on draft day, which is sort of like what I was saying with Max Scherzer. So, but you know, obviously he was going really high, but I just think he's he's. If you had any doubts about him, he's clearly delivered and silenced them. Uh, Scott, who's a sell high for you?
1: Alex Gordon, who you know, is somebody we've talked about a lot in this respect, but I still don't really get why he's been so successful. Successful, there hasn't really been a coming down to earth. His numbers in May are just as strong as uh, as they were at the start of the year. The one thing he is definitely doing better is making more contact, but it doesn't explain why there's this power resurgence. he's he has, and, and you know maybe it's a situation where a better offense environment, like I said for Tommy Lastella, like somebody has to feel that in a more significant way. Um, but I would bet against it being Gordon in his mid-30s having this big resurgent season.
2: Okay, so we said buy low on Chris Archer unanimously. <laughs> uh, and, and who, who, I'm sorry, who's your buy low, Heath? I apologize. Oh, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Uh, and sell high on Javier Baez and Alex Gordon. Let's get uh, quickly, guys. Buy high. Heath, give me a buy high.
0: I was going to say Michael Brantley. I don't know if we've said Michael Brantley's name enough this season. His 150-game pace right now is like 330 with 35 home runs and 110 RBI. He's been awesome. Still not striking out more barrels than any point in the last five years. Um, he's he's a top 12 outfielder in points.
2: Michael Brantley for Heath. How about you, Scott? Buy high.
1: I almost put Brandley too, but ended up going with Yunjin Ryu instead because there's nothing I want to buy more on than starting pitching. And um, he has he has been one of the best in an unexpected way. The fact that he is pitching so many innings. Uh, and and look, I mean he's he's equipped to do it. He's such an efficient pitcher, such a low walk rate. I'm just surprised the Dodgers are letting him, but that's that's a game changer for me in terms of his value, and um, somebody who I think, you know, you always got to worry about the injury with him, but really excited. I'd be really excited if I could find a way to get him on my roster right now.
2: Is there okay? If we were going to name the three players who spark the most anger amongst us on the show. Archer definitely one of them. I think I know the other two. Who do you guys think? Like their name comes up and chaos ensues. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: That's a good Marquez.
2: Question. I, I maybe I, I don't think so. I, Rick Porcello. I, okay. mm, I, yeah. So it's always it's yeah. always I think it's always me that's at the center of it. Like I always or I okay for me I'm thinking it's Archer for sure. I, Matt Carpenter. And Carlos Santana are the three that seem to. And Carpenter and Archer are sort of in a class of their <laughs> own. So they just get well, them. Carlos
1: Santana certainly has one instance, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It there was there was quite way. a McCutcheon uh, brand Ooh! there for a while.
2: McCutcheon, great. We're going to talk about McCutcheon. He stinks. Uh, t- that's a teaser. <laughs> he doesn't stink, but he stinks lately. We'll talk about him when we come back. Is he over-owned? Uh, that's coming up next. Actually, no, he's in the slumping section. But also, is he overowned? Right after this on Fantasy Baseball today.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year.
2: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash Card. Okay, here we go. A lot to get to. Let's start with an over section. I had Chris Archer in here. I will remove him. But I will ask you, will you start Chris Archer next week in a two-start week against the Rockies and the Dodgers at home?
1: Yep, only to points league. Did you say no? He- I said yes.
2: Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, let's start an now ally. with uh, Robinson Cano. He is 33rd in points, 42nd in roto. What really concerns me with Cano is he is batting 119 without an extra base hit against lefties. And that two years ago, he ha- had kind of a down year, still finished as a top 10 second baseman. But in that year, he really struggled with lefties. It was uncharacteristic. It's happening again this year. Robinson Cano uh, at 92%. Could you see a scenario where you're dropping him? Is he overowned? Yeah, I mean,
1: certainly the fact that he's a second baseman, I think, buys him. Buys him, you know, he has more cushion and I mean, obviously his track record does, too, but it's a concerning age to be exhibiting some of the signs he is strikeout rate being up too, as well as the, um, you know, a lot of times when a player starts to struggle against a certain handedness of pitcher. It's a sign of age. So uh you know, I've counted out Cano so many times in recent years that I'm reluctant to do it again. Uh but you know you, if he's your second baseman, obviously you want an upgrade right now.
0: Yeah, I mean I I'm not saying people should go try to drop him or pick up Tommy La Stella to start over him. Um but I do think that there's a situation in a points league especially where you just picked up another second baseman, and that's who you're starting, and you're not going to keep him on your bench.
2: Okay, Adam yeah. Jones is 81% I, owned. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, Scott. He's hit three home runs in his I last four games. I was just going to say
0: I'd be starting Listella over
1: him right now, personally.
2: Okay. Makes sense. Uh, okay, Adam Jones, 81% owned. He does have a career-high hard contact rate. This was an easier case to make a few days ago, but Jones, three home runs in his last four games. I, I phrase this as like, okay, he's 81% owned. I almost look at the guys, other than Cano, the rest of the guys on the list, like, how droppable are they? In fact, in, in the interest of speeding up the show and getting to more things, I'll just give the last four, four guys on the list. <laughs> Adam Jones, Adam Eaton, five guys. Jones, Eaton, Buxton, Winker, and Colton Wong. They're all owned in 69 to 81% of leagues. And Prospect gets called up two-star pitcher and you need a win somebody really exciting for you on waivers Jones Adam Eaton Byron Buxton Jesse Winker Colton Wong who would you consider droppable in that group Wong
1: and Eaton are the most droppable for me though I am getting a little concerned about Jesse Winker because the the Reds DFA'd Matt Kemp and Winker has only lost playing time since then which is Derek Dietrich's fault and I don't think it'll ultimately last, but in a shallow league scenario, I think we're back to maybe dropping Winker.
0: Well, and in fairness, Winker's like, so I think of that some of that himself as well. He's other than a really uh, fortunate home run to fly ball ratio. The production's just been completely absent. So Wong is easily the most droppable. I don't really want to drop the rest of these guys, but I don't know that I would, I would not call any of them must have either.
2: I, I feel like I'm done with Adam Eaton. I mean, in in any league that's even fairly shallow, it has a waiver wire. He he just, he has no power. I, I cannot believe how, he, he's got to be like one of the lightest hitting players in baseball now. It's crazy. It's not like he was ever a home run hitter. But his ISO was 110. And last year it was really low too. Like it's it's alarming. Uh, I I just, mm. I don't get it. And then Buxton, you know, I understand if you need the steals, he's got eight of them, but he bats ninth, yeah. which is a killer in points leagues. And he's not really doing anything else, although he did Homer yesterday. Okay. Yeah,
1: he is striking out a lot less, though. And he is hitting a lot of fly ball. His home run to fly ball rate is comically low. And he finally did hit his second home run yesterday. Um, I, I could see in a points league maybe dropping Buxton just because three outfield spots to fill. And that's not really his best format anyway. But I, I think better days are
2: ahead okay. for him. All right. Okay. Steals alert. Good stuff here. Ronald Acuna stole two bases. He has been running. Since he moved to the leadoff spot. So that's that's potentially really big. Scott, you think he stays in the leadoff spot or is this a fluid situation for Acuna? I think Austin Riley's a rival help.
1: You get another power bat behind all those high OBP guys at the top of the lineup. It makes it easier to justify. Uh now Riley obviously has to perform, but I you know, they think there's a good chance he does and uh, if if Acuna if if Acuna gets hot with this move to this spot, it'll be harder for Brian Snitker to justify removing him from it.
2: Okay, how about also Lorenzo Kane in the steals alert? Kane has uh, attempted a stolen base in three straight games. He's two for three, and he wasn't really running before. He's he's hopefully coming out of it. He's been kind of cold, but Kane has stolen 26 to 30 bases in four of his last five seasons, and now I believe he has five. Yeah, he's five this year. Slump alert. I will give you some slumping hitters. You tell me who you're concerned about, if any. Pete Alonso. His uh, last 19 games, he has a 6.51 OPS, and obviously he strikes out a lot. That's nothing new. Andrew McCutcheon. So I had him as the number 32 outfielder in points leagues and number 60 in Roto going into Wednesday. He's probably probably didn't change much. So Roto, you know, that's a not an OBP Roto. That's a batting average, batting average Roto league. Andrew McCutcheon's been slumping last 20 games, batting 197, 557 OPS. Still getting on base, though. David Dahl, yeah, he just, like, the overall numbers look pretty good, but a ton of strikeouts, and hasn't really been that good since coming off the IL. And Ozzy Albies is the last guy. Top 10 second baseman, 7th in points, 10th in roto. But so much of it for Albies was a six-game stretch with four home runs in late April. Since then, he's been pretty bad in May. He's batting 194 with a 513 OPS, and he got off to a slow start. So again, the four names are Pete Alonzo, Andrew McCutcheon, David Dahl, and Ozzy Albies. Heath, do you have concerns about those guys?
0: I don't really have concerns about McCutcheon. He's going to be better in points than Roto. He's gone through a cold stretch. I expect a hot stretch is coming. I think Pete Alonzo is going to be awesome. I'm a little bit more concerned about him just because the limited track record against big league pitching when a guy starts off really hot and then goes through that cold streak. You wonder if it's the league making some sort of an adjustment. He's also had a little bit of bad luck. Um, Dahl's kind of concerning. Because I think he leads baseball in BABIP and is hitting below 300. If you're at, at a 450 BABIP or something, you should probably have a, an absurd batting average. And the power hasn't really been that impressive yet. And then Albies, I, I think he just is what he is.
2: Dahl is batting 298. The power has been doubles. And the doubles have been annoying because it's taken away his steals opportunities. He has 11 doubles and 2 triples in 34 games. That's pretty good. Uh, and I, and he's been he's got a .557 slugging percentage at home. And he's been, you know, not very good on the road. Uh, he sits sometimes against lefties, even though he's not bad against lefties. So that's annoying. Uh, Scott, you want to have a take on Alonzo, McCutcheon, Dahl, or Albies?
1: I think the most concerning about whether he's going to live up to his our expectations for him is David Dahl, because he's losing playing time, and it's most of his success has been Babbitt-dependent, really high Babbitt. He hasn't hit for the power we expected him to. So he's been the only real faller in my rankings of these four.
2: Okay. I mean, just to stay on it a little bit, Heath, you're not worried about McCutcheon.
0: Why? Um, he's just, his track record is long enough, and he's going to go through hot streaks and cold streaks, and I'm just not worried about him. Okay. What what would I be worried about? Andrew McCutcheon might be the
2: fourth player on the, uh, aggravation list <laughs> on this podcast. I, I think, you know, look, he's older. I don't think he's a very good hitter anymore. I think he's a very good on-base guy. And... Mm-hmm. I think the only thing saving him is that he bats lead off in a good lineup. But it is it is saving. I mean, it is as long as he's not crap yeah, this mean, season, it, then he's probably McCutcheon's probably a good by low player because he's got that safety net built in of batting leadoff for the for the Phillies I mean, and getting. He's got base. a
0: career high walk rate. He's striking out about the same rate he has the last three years. I'm I'm just not concerned, Scott. You want to yeah. jump yeah? And I I
1: think expectations might have something to do with it too because uh, yeah, I wasn't. You know, I I don't see him as more than a top thirty outfielder now. You know, at best, that's that's like the upside of McCutcheon at this point. It's not like I'm talking about him in a in a potential top fifteen sense or anything like that.
2: So so I think that McCutcheon's upside in a, a roto league, especially a batting average roto league, I completely agree, Scott. But in a points league, I would expect him to be near the top top fifteen. I think I looked at where it was yesterday. the Top fifteen in plate appearances. Uh obviously he's going to walk a lot. He should score runs. So I I think he could be the kind of player who shows up as like the 12th best outfielder in points leagues even though it didn't really feel that way.
0: Oh yeah, Nick Markakis yeah. did that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It it could happen. Who, but if yeah. you know, it would take it would take other players falling short of expectations too, but yeah, it could happen just if he stays healthy. Um yeah, that would be a per game versus overall.
2: Yeah, right, right.
1: Uh, point scores, and I like you brought up for Archer.
2: So, who would you rather That's have? Right. Huh? <laughs> who would you rather have rest <laughs> of season, uh, Andrew McCutcheon or Aaron Hicks, fresh off the IL? Okay,
0: McCutcheon.
1: Yeah, though I do think Hicks has more upside. I'm I'm excited that he's back.
2: Who would you rather have rest of season, Glaber Torres? Or Ozzy Albies? Glaber,
1: Really? I would rather have Albies. I would rather have Albies. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised Heath said yeah, that. He's right? always been the Glaber detractor. Heath, wait. I've kind of been the Albies
0: detractor too, though. I don't like the Yankees or the Braves. Heath, you, you, <laughs> you I need, talk to you guys. You need to do a rankings update. Because Albies is way well, too Yeah, maybe for... I need to do a rankings update. I've been gone for a week. Come on.
2: But Albies is fourth. <laughs> But Torres is sixth, actually, at second base. Boy, you must really hate second base. So you wouldn't, like, you, are you going to move Nick Senzel, Daniel Murphy, Mike Mustakas, Keston Hira, like, anybody like that ahead of Tori, uh, Torres and Albies? I don't imagine I am. Okay. Uh, yeah. More from yesterday. Kenta Maeda. Oh, here's the good rotation. Good rotation and bad rotation. Kenta Maeda... Mike Soroka, Mike Miner. Oh yeah, I don't think I should have put Mike Miner in the good rotation. He's in the okay rotation. But for the sake of simplicity, <laughs> Maeda six and two thirds scoreless with twelve strikeouts. Soroka seven scoreless with only three strikeouts. Mike Miner five innings one run but eight hits and three strikeouts at Kansas City. Uh, Scott, give me some takes on Maeda, Soroka, and Miner.
1: Well, it's a really interesting group because I think it's a really polarizing group. There are reasons you could love him. There are reasons you could hate him, hate, hate them. Uh, I have been a little underwhelmed by Soroka recently. He has seven walk, seven strikeouts to six walks over 13 innings in his last two starts. Neither of those ratios are good, and yet he succeeded, succeeded in spite of it, in part because he has this elite Dallas Keiko-like ground ball rate. Not sure how sustainable that is. Not sure I'd, you know, I obviously wouldn't consider dropping Soroka or anything given the state of starting pitching, but I wonder if he might be a sell-high guy. Kinta Maeda has good ratios this year, but I feel like the impact has been low because he's been so limited in terms of innings and, and pitch counts. Uh, this was clearly his best start of the season and a great swinging strike rate. He had 22 swinging strikes in this, but, um, and you know, I'm I've, I've been a little underwhelmed overall. And then Mike Miner his last two starts weren't bad but they weren't he, he didn't really do what was what he was doing earlier that got us excited in terms of pitching deep into games missing a lot of bats uh, and is it so is it just kind of a rough patch or is it a coming back down to earth and since he it's not like he was a bad start in either case uh, should we care that much? I, I think that's a fair question to ask, too.
2: Yeah, and for Miner, I mean, I could certainly forgive five innings, three runs, five strikeouts at Houston. You know, whatever. It was disappointing that he didn't do better against the Royals. But the Royals also don't have a terrible lineup. I think they're middle of the pack. How would you guys rank Maeda, Soroka, and Miner? Scott, then Heath. I would
1: rank them minor. Uh, Soroka and Maeda last. Wow. Heath?
0: I think I may have that uh, completely flipped. I'm looking forward to you looking at my <laughs> rankings while I tell you and then telling me that I need to do a yank rankings <laughs> update. I think right now today I'd go Soroka, Maeda, minor. Okay. Uh, bad rotation. Heath, I'll get your take on
2: these guys. Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, this actually was a pretty good start. for He, he went six innings. He gave up, I think, two runs. Then he came out in the seventh, gave up three runs without... Uh, without recording an out. So it ends up being five runs in six innings with one walk to ten strikeouts against Colorado for Eduardo Rodriguez. Herman Marquez was surprisingly bad on the road, even at Boston. I was surprised. Jay Happ just hasn't been very good this year. He's been really terrible at home. He's giving up a lot of home runs at home. Uh, opponents are hitting two seventy seven against him at home, which is actually pretty high, 188 in three road starts. That's Jay Happ. Uh, we also have Jake Odorizzi who disappointed against the Angels, and Jake Arietta who, look, he's, he's in a rough stretch right now. His last four starts, 15 earned runs in 22 innings. He had rough stretch like this twice last year. His overall numbers were not terrible last year, but I know we don't love Jake Arrieta. All of these guys are, are owned in 90, 90% of leagues or more. Eduardo Rodriguez, Armand Marquez, Jay Happ, Jake Odorizzi, and Jake Arrieta. Heath, do you see anyone there that you think should not be owned in the vast majority of leagues?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think all these guys, like, first off, we shouldn't put all these guys in the same category. I've been a bit of a Herman Marquez doubter, and some of the things I was afraid of have come to fruition this year, but he is head and shoulders and waist and knees Mm -hmm. and ankles and everything ahead of this group of starting pitchers. (laughs) Correct. So I, I would not put any of these four in the same breath, other than the fact that they were not particularly good in their most recent start. So yes, Marquez should be owned everywhere. He should be started everywhere. I'm probably even starting him at home. He's a top 30 starting pitcher. Okay. After yeah. that, I get really wishy washy about just about everyone in this group. Arietta got off to a good start. We didn't really believe it. I think I st- I definitely still like him more than Odorizi. I think Rodriguez is kind of in that same boat, except he went the flip the, the opposite way. And Hap has just been underwhelming for the most part. So.
2: Would you drop any of them for a hot prospect or something like that?
0: I would—yeah, I, I don't believe I have um, owned Jake Odorizzi on any team this season. And he's been available from time to time, maybe as a two-star pitcher. I just he, think Jake Odorizzi is a streamer.
2: He is next week as a two-star pitcher, though, at the Angels and home against the White Sox. So you might want to hang on to him a little bit longer. Scott, you you want to weigh in here? the The only one— the, the only two
1: from that group who I am beholden to, I feel like, are Marquez and Eduardo Rodriguez, who I am kind of excited about. He has expanded his arsenal in a way that has uh, made him even more of a bat mister, had a season-high 20 swinging strikes in this one, even though it wasn't a great result overall. I think there are a lot of reasons to be encouraged by his performance, and I would consider him must-own.
2: Serious question, would you rather own Eduardo Rodriguez or Chris Archer?
0: I'd Archer, rather own
1: Chris Archer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's Marquez and there's a gap then there's Archer and there's a gap then there's everyone else on that list.
2: I I like what we're seeing from Eduardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I'm with Scott. I, I think his I think his numbers are misleading. I just I still have concerns about whether or not he can go more than 6 innings and that that came to fruition yesterday where he was terrible in the 7th. Uh, and it's just been his track record. He's a five, six inning guy, but it seemed like he was making some strides this year. Uh, and then Jay Hap. <sighs> Jeez, man. Like like Jay Hap, it's just tough to ignore the last three years. He's been a pretty reliable pitcher. You know, it, I'm looking for by lows here. Does anybody think Jay Hap's a by low?
1: I, I don't think he's a by low. No, no. Um. <laughs> What the yeah, I, so funny? I, I, if
0: he was on my, oh my I'd be moving him off my roster. <laughs> I'd be mean? moving him off my roster. Just uh. um, No, he he's fine. <laughs> Whatever.
2: What is happening, Scott? I, I don't know
0: if I have to jump off this. Clearly, my house is
1: coming apart behind.
2: <laughs> that is terrific. <laughs> Scott, there's a couch being lifted up in the air behind Scott White. This yeah. is awesome. You better be watching our show, by yeah. the way. It's fun to, to watch us. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Fringy starting pitchers. Do you want any of these guys? Andrew Kashner, he's, I, he's the last, but he had he had a good start yesterday. Uh, Sonny Gray. No. Gio Gonzalez and Matt Strom. I want Matt Strom. 75% own.
0: Yeah. And Gray's okay. Um, I have I have no interest whatsoever in Andrew Kashner. Um, Strom's actually... like He hasn't quite done it in the way that we were hoping he would do it coming into this year. But I think if you look since his first start of the season, he's really had an impressive stretch. Yeah. And I know that Scott was doubting him because the swinging strikes weren't there in the year. They've come back a little bit. Um, I, I think Strom's pretty close to must own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't especially put
1: him that high, but RP eligible. He has been better than my fears suggested he would. I don't get Sonny Gray. He hasn't,
0: he hasn't given up more than two runs in a start since his first start of the season.
1: Yeah, it's like no, I know straight starts. I know, but I don't totally believe the way he's doing it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't own him. I just think his must own's a little strong. I don't have a lot of faith in the way he's performing.
0: He has 26 strikeouts in his last 23 innings. The strikeouts have been there.
2: Yeah, he has 35 strikeouts in his last 36 and a third over his last six starts. Matt Strom, 223 ERA. Would you drop Jake Odorizzi or Jay Happ or Jake Arrieta? or anyone who begins with Jay, for Matt Strom.
0: (laughs) Odorizzi, for sure.
2: Okay.
1: I would not not drop any of them now.
2: In the bullpen, Diego Castillo. He actually has the last three saves for Tampa Bay, and he's 36% owned. They are a great team that hasn't had a lot of saves lately. Uh, Go figure. But Diego Castillo, yeah, 36% owned. He's been very good. Uh, Josh Hader... Still appears to be the closer. He's got 11 saves. Jeremy Jeffers pitched in the 6th and 7th innings yesterday. Hector Neris made an appearance. That was nice. He was trailing 5-2 in the ninth, but he played. Second appearance in 12 days. Matt Barnes came in with the bases loaded and nobody out in the 7th inning. So they used him in a high leverage situation. Matt Barnes. Luke Jackson is clearly the guy, and he's 60% owned. He had another 2-inning save. And then we have Mike Morin, who got a save for the Twins with Blake Parker getting it out in the eighth inning. I think what happened here, Blake Parker got an out in the eighth inning, and again, I think a high-leverage situation. It was a one-run game at the time, and then... No, it was a four-run game at the time. Then he did not come out to pitch the ninth. Hildenberger came in in a four-run game, gave up three runs, and then Morin came in and got the save. He gave up some of Hildenberger's runs. Hildenberger got optioned after the game. I think Blake Parker is still the guy there, no question, Uh, but... Let's talk about Diego Castillo. Like, Do you think he's under-owned at 36%? I, I don't.
1: I don't. No, um, well, maybe a little. Okay, maybe a little. He's clearly the guy to own from the Rays bullpen, I think. But I don't, I don't think they're in any way um, leaning away from a, a committee situation there between him, Emilio Pagan, and uh, Jose Alvarado. So I think the saves pace is like in a, in a head-to-head context where you're only starting two relievers. I don't even think he's really a consideration for you. Now, if it's more of a categories context, then just by ratios he is. And all three of them are by ratios. But I don't expect any of them to get 20 saves this year.
2: And deep leagues. Heath, let me run through this list. Tell me if you have any interest in these guys who are owned in no more than 16% of leagues. We already talked about San Francisco starting pitcher Sean Anderson, Cubs second baseman Addison Russell, Minnesota catcher Jason Castro, Mets third baseman J.D. Davis, who started for the last five games, Texas infielder Logan Forsyth, who figures to get more playing time with Elvis Andrews on the I.L., and Houston second baseman Aledmus Diaz, seven for 18 with three home runs in his last five games with Altuve on the I.L. Did I say anything that uh, jumps out?
0: The one I would say that over the rest of the season I think probably needs to be owned in more leagues is going to be Russell. I would guess he's going to need to be owned in closer to like a third of leagues by the time it's all said and done. Okay, now
2: we have Ben Zobrist out on personal leave. So I don't know what the playing time will be like, but right now Russell is playing, I think pretty much every day. He's 8% owned. Did not get to Domingo Orman or Patrick Corbin or Zach Granke, and hopefully we don't know if that Zach, hopefully we don't see Zach Granke on the IL tomorrow, but I'll try to talk about yeah. at least Irman he's the number four starting pitcher in fantasy. Uh, So we should probably talk about him. He He should
0: have been someone so high.
2: Easiest schedule. Uh, But he's good. He's very good. So, all right, fine. We'll talk about Domingo Armand tomorrow. Please remind me. Thank you for listening, everybody. Much appreciated. Make sure you check out our coverage of the PGA Championship on CBS Sports HQ. The Canell and Bell podcast. I believe they are live from Bethpage, uh, and then the po- for on HQ, and then you'll hear the podcast on demand. So we have great stuff this week for golf. And make sure you're watching CBS Sports HQ for Keith Cummings and Scott White. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you Friday at Kokomo Friday coming up on Fantasy Baseball
0: today.